0: Welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast, where I provide simple answers for healthier families. A random fact for your day. Did you know that researchers at the Indiana University School of Medicine used FMRI machines to monitor brain activity while women and men listened to a passage from a novel? While most of the men showed activity exclusively on the left side of their brain, which is typically associated with listening and speech, most of the women showed additional activity on the right side of their brain, which is usually associated with creativity and expressiveness. So this could be why women are usually credited with hearing what's left unsaid in the conversation. And it also speaks to the the very vast difference between men and women on a lot of things. And with today's guest, we're actually going to be touching on the difference between men and women when it comes especially to movement and fitness and health. And I couldn't be more excited. Brianne Grogan is a doctor of physical therapy with a specialist in women's health. She writes at FemFusionFitness.com and has a program designed especially for women to learn how to move their bodies correctly for optimal health. She's reversed her own IBS and anxiety, and she's just such an inspiration all the way around. Thanks so much for being here, Brianne.
1: Oh, thank you, Katie. I'm so excited to be here. I've been a fan of yours for years. So it's fun to be on the on your podcast.
0: Oh, and Ditto, I've been your fan for a long time too. Aww. <laughs> well, to jump right in, um, obviously one thing that you talk about a lot and that is one of my favorite things to read about from you is movement and especially how women should move. Because I think so often when we think of movement, we just think of exercise and we fit into the like we should be a treadmill, you know, running on the treadmill like a hamster on a wheel yeah. or just excessive cardio. But You talk so much about how it's so much deeper than that and how there are very feminine specific movements. And I think it's fascinating. So can we delve into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, essentially, uh, I like to think of the way we want to, I'm just going to lead into this, you know, burn, burn calories, although that's certainly not (laughs) what it's all about anyway, but, you know, stay healthy and, and stay active. People think of exercise, but I just like to call it movement. I mean, just moving, 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 moving more and whatever makes you happy is what ultimately you will want to do to add more movement to your life. So um, for some people, that is, you know, spending plenty of time at the gym. But for other people, that's not spending time at the gym. It's just uh, moving in different ways, maybe walking or hiking or um, just moving more throughout the day by way of um, what's called incidental movement, which is just fitting more um, random movements into your day as far as, you know, this the basic things we always hear, such as taking the stairs or parking in the farthest parking spots, or, you know, really getting into it when you clean and really getting under the couches and around the the chairs and just finding ways to be more active in your daily life. Um, so that's really key is just moving more and finding something that you really love. And as far as uh, one thing I talk about is feminine movement, and I call it feminine movement in that it's, um, it's just um, movements that you think of women doing, men can certainly do them too, but hip circles and figure eights and swirling, wonderful, sinuous, snake-like movements are so wonderful for your core muscles, uh, including your hips, your back muscles, your abdominal muscles, your pelvic floor. All of those muscles uh, really benefit from feminine movements like hip circles and and figure eights and all of the ones that I I just mentioned. So that's something that I that I kind of promote that might be different from what other people promote and talk about. Uh, It's just a fun way to move your body, and men, like I said, can certainly do it too. But women tend to have a little more fun with booty circles and (laughs) moving their bodies that way.
0: Definitely. And I know that you've written about and I've I've written about as well, how important it is not just to sit all day, because that happens so often in our culture right now. And in this sense, maybe women and moms especially have a little bit of an advantage, because if you have young kids at home, you're not usually sitting that much. No, Um, but let's talk about some ways to kind of either break up the sitting specifically or some things we can do to mitigate maybe those of us who have a job where we do have to sit. What, What are some things we can do to add in the movement there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things to do is what I call the 30-30 rule, and that is something I learned in physical therapy school. Um, Every 30 minutes that you spend sitting or in one position, even if you're standing, say, you know, ultimately we don't want to necessarily just be in one posture all day long, whether it's sitting, standing, you know, (laughs) standing on one leg. You just don't want to overuse your body in any one position. So every 30 minutes that you spend in one position, take 30 seconds and either just move your body, shake it all out, or stretch yourself out in the opposite direction. So that might sound difficult to do if you're in an office job, say, or some um, reason you have that you really need to be sitting and focused in one spot. But it's definitely possible just to at least you know look your head up toward the sky and stretch out the front of your neck and maybe roll your shoulders back. Uh, maybe press, do a little press-up where you're... Um, Pressing your bottom up off the chair by pressing down into the arms of the chair and just kind of taking some of the pressure off your bottom and stretching out your hips a little bit. So, I love the 30 30 rule. And you can, you know, there are apps you can get that are like timers that can give you some kind of alert every 30 minutes, or you can just keep notes, you know, put a little sticker on your computer screen or something like that to remind yourself to do something every 30 minutes that is opposite of of what you're. um, you know, doing for that, for that long 30 minute period of time. It's really easy to forget, but you know, the more you can try to remember, the better your body will be. Um, I also have a little, little (laughs) technique that was kind of fun. It was just a fun video that I did, but it kind of went for me kind of viral. I was like, yay, this is so fun. And I called it bathroom fitness. You know, this is just a fun, a fun way to fit more movement into your day. Um, and it's to just attach because it can be hard to remember to move. So to attach movement or a little, you know, mini fitness routine to something that you already do multiple times a day so that you don't even have to think about doing it, it's attached to something you already do. So essentially, you know, what you do multiple times a day, one thing you do is use the restroom. So, you know, I said, "Heck, every time you use the restroom, if you do 10 squats, maybe 10 countertop push-ups where you're just at the countertop and doing some push-ups, maybe 10 tricep steps if you have a bathtub that you can do a little tricep dips on the edge, um, or just, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. If you do that, every time you use the restroom, you could be getting, you know, 40 to 50 extra squats in, 40 to 50 extra, um, you know, Push ups in, just kind of um, having fun too, and it's easy to do. It's quick; it takes no time at all, and it's just a, like I said, a fun way to to get a little strength training in and a little extra movement into your day without really having to think about it.
0: Yeah, I loved that tip. I saw when you posted that. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> yeah. idea. I thought that was fun. Well, and one thing that's somewhat specific to women—men obviously have this in a different way—but is pelvic floor health, and I know this yeah. has become a huge issue. You see it. A lot in the mainstream media and I think it must be a growing problem because of the amount of press it's receiving Um, so can you talk about maybe some of the problems that lead to pelvic health problems and then some of the things we can do to remedy them
1: yes this is this is kind of my baby topic this is my really close to my heart because I started out my career in um, women's health physical therapy, which focuses on pelvic floor health. And, you know, some of my thoughts and views have shifted just a, a little bit over time, but um, the main, you know, the, the main foundation of, of what I have to say is the same. So um, I guess to kind of first address the question about how you're hearing about it more and more, I don't know. I think that, I think. It's hard to say because this women's health physical therapy is a fairly new field and doing research on pelvic health issues is, uh, there hasn't been, you know, you know, hundreds of years of research on it or 50 years of research even on it. It's more like within the last 20, uh, years or so that it's really been researched significantly. Um, Of course, starting with Dr. Kegel that many people have heard of, that was quite a long time ago, but it's really grown since then in terms of being researched. But I think that one thing that has caused it to become more of an issue to hear about is that people are just more willing to talk about it as an issue. It's being more um, more brought up out into the open, and thank goodness for that, because uh, bladder control issues and pelvic organ prolapse are extremely common. Um, And also pain with intercourse and pelvic pain, very, very common issues. And I think people were just uh, embarrassed to talk about them for a long time, but people are becoming more open about it. So thank goodness, because women need to really know that they're not alone. Um, However, that said, I do think that it very well could, and likely is, getting more and more prevalent um, even with people, you know, just simply the fact that people are talking about it more, because one thing you need for a healthy, healthy pelvic floor is to be moving, <laughs> and it, you know, goes back to what we were saying, is that as people get more and more sedentary, and you know, thinking maybe that their thirty to sixty minutes at the gym in the morning is good enough for their exercise for the day, and then they. They sit or are primarily sedentary for the for the remainder of the day. That is just it is just a recipe for disaster for your back health, for your core total core health, for your pelvic floor health, and can definitely contribute to problems such as um, pain, weakness, or tension in the pelvic floor and hip areas, um, and you know all sorts of problems that can ultimately lead to pelvic organ prolapse and bladder control issues and that kind of thing. So um, so yeah, I, I think that it's something that women need to keep talking about. Awareness needs to keep spreading that this is an issue and people need to keep moving. <laughs> As, um, did you want to talk about kegels at all?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, let's delve into that because I know that's something that most people when they think pelvic floor health, they think, oh yeah, I should just do kegels. And yeah. you recently wrote about this on my blog and it was so informative of why they can be really, really good, but they may not be for everybody. So can we talk about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this is, again, another near and dear subject to my heart because I definitely treated quite a few women who came through um, the clinic where I was working with Kegels because that is sort of the, the, uh, you know, standard among women's health physical therapists as far as a treatment option. But I did have the benefit of being able to examine the, women's, the women that I was seeing to see what their pelvic floor muscles and the rest of their core muscles were doing and really what they needed. I did find Kegels to be helpful for a lot of my patients. And I think that they can certainly be helpful for, for a lot of women, even if they don't go see a, a women's health physical therapist or get examined. Um, however, they're not something to be um, just (laughs) taken lightly. I mean, they really have to be used responsibly as funny as that sounds because some women, um, are so tense in the pelvic floor or just have a lot of excess tension and it can cause problems to do kegels, tightening the pelvic floor muscles. Um, especially if you're not doing kegels correctly, which involves a contraction of the pelvic floor and then a full release. If you're not able to do that full release, And if you're essentially just contracting and contracting more and more and more and then following some people's advice that you, you know, read in popular media, which is to do hundreds of kegels a day for, you know, everybody, um, that is, that's not going to be helpful and it could be harmful. So it's just um, something that you really need to understand kegels before you start doing them on your own. You need to know your own body and know if you're having problems like pain with intercourse or if you're having... Um sometimes if you're having problems where you're trying kegels and they're actually your problems are getting worse, then you need to stop and you need to probably go get checked out by uh, a physical therapist or a nurse practitioner or somebody who understands pelvic floor um, physiology and anatomy and how things should feel and, and work and Um, you know, get it checked out by somebody or stop and, you know, work more on relaxing the pelvic floor and other core strengthening exercises, really strengthening your glutes and walking, plenty of walking, walking. I just read this great article that was said, walking is the superfood of fitness. And I love that. I think that is so true. It's really an exercise that everybody Well, okay, knock on wood, I try not to say everybody for anything, but you know, almost everybody can do safely and it's effective and it's great for your entire body. It moves your hips, it moves your pelvis, it really works your whole core, it works everything and is so beneficial for your pelvic floor. So there are other exercises you can do besides kegels. And kegels can be great though, simply to, you know, I think it's important to know how to, Do a kegel so that you can effectively and quickly, you know, really kind of give yourself a backup by contracting the pelvic floor muscles when you really need to um, have that backup. So, for example, if you're sick and you are coughing and sneezing a lot and, you know, you can feel that little tickle in your throat or tickle in your nose and you can feel that a cough or sneeze often is coming on, especially a big one. And so, if you can engage those pelvic floor muscles extra, do a little Kegel, like you're pulling a marble into your vagina and holding it there, and then cough or sneeze, and then let it go. That will do wonders toward keeping you uh, dry and keeping you from leaking. Because I can't tell you how many women have problems with um, leaking when they have when they're ill, when they have coughs and sneezes and that kind of thing. So, it it is important to know how to use them for. You know, coordination issues and control issues, but they're not always the best answer for everybody as far as the general exercise. And it's it's a really big topic. It's a very um, it's a very um, like a fiery topic. You know, it's something that really um, brings on a lot of emotion in many women. I think some some people have very strong opinions one way or the other as far as Kegels, if they're good or bad. And I I really think that so much of that boils down to Uh, The fact that it's talking about a very, um, an area of our body that has a lot of stigma attached to it. Um, You know, the, the pelvic floor is right at the base of our pelvis, so it's the sexual center. It's the you know area where we carry our children is right in that you know pelvic area where we birth our children, where we, you know, it's the root of our, of our body. It's the one area of the body that's incredibly different than the males. You know, a male body is the pelvic area and all of our, you know, pelvic organs that we have that males don't have. Um, You know, it's a really, a really fiery place and it's a fiery topic in some circles, whether or not kegels are good or bad. But again, I just think they're not, they're not, Um, good for everybody, but they're also not bad for everybody. So that's my stance.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I love how you always bring it back to – you know, don't just focus on Kegels, even if they're good for you, walk and there you use go. movement. Yeah. And that's one thing we've been even doing as a family and really trying to incorporate is going for a walk together, maybe after dinner or early in the morning, but just that's something the whole family, even the one and a half year old can do. Mm-hmm. And we're spending time together. You're, you can still talk because you're not sprinting and yeah. you're outside, so you're getting clean air and just all the different benefits. And you're also helping your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And It actually makes me think of another thing that we've talked about before, which um, like when you look at children, they do movement so naturally. And especially like if you see a baby – go down to pick something up. They do a perfect squat. Their back is perfectly flat. They go into a deep, full squat. Their butt is almost touching the ground. They're so naturally perfect at it, but then we lose those movements when we get older. So can you talk about things like just learning how to correctly do a deep squat, which does also help relax your pelvic floor and your hip muscles and so many important things, but that we lose most of the time when we get older?
1: Yes, yeah, so many women lose, or people in general lose that flexibility and strength because it's 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 both. You need flexibility to get into that deep position, and you need strength and balance too. So, um, you know, I just really I do a lot of deep squats and all sorts of squats in the fitness class that I teach, and in, in a lot of the fitness um, you know videos and things that I do on my that I have on my website. And so I usually encourage people to hold on to something when they're first, if they're not able to just naturally get into that deep squat position. Some people just can; it's just in them. They they have no problem at all. But if you have troubles um, having that flexibility and that balance and that strength in the ankles and the and the hips and the back, then um, hold on to a like a countertop or the back of a couch or something very steady and firm. Hold on to it and then sit your butt way back. Your feet can be fairly wide and really sit down, 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 down. Your heels can even be off the floor, maybe even supported on a rolled up yoga mat. And just work on getting that butt down toward the ground and sitting way back and keeping your back, your spine um, long and strong and tall and your chest lifted. And so you can just kind of incrementally work on that over time. And then when you come up to stand, you want to really squeeze your bottom and exhale. So breathe out as you come up, whether you're doing a full deep squat or you're doing even just an air squat, you really want to engage the glutes and exhale as you stand up. That's really um, important. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yeah. I think squatting is one of the is one of the best exercises, and I know a lot of your community and a lot of uh, people that that follow you ag- agree with that so
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing how just incorporating those movements and not even on an extreme level can make such a difference. I know with my last pregnancy, I um made more of an effort as my health journey has gone on I've learned more and read your information, so I made a lot of an effort to do things like just Loose, deep squats during the day and just stretch out my hips, my pelvis, and do things like kettlebells, which I loved when I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that it just felt good to do that. Um, I had a sister in law who was pregnant at the same time, and we went walking together all the time. Mm. And I knew I felt better, but the amazing part was that that labor was 10 hours shorter than any of my other labors. And she was breached, so it technically should have been longer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just the difference it made, and recovery was a piece of cake. Um, like physically, I felt great right after and just no trouble with bleeding. It was just such night and day difference. And you don't really think that those little things make such a big difference until you actually see it. And then it's amazing.
1: I agree. And I think that because that's the way we were meant to be, that's the way our human bodies were designed to move. We were designed to, to work and move and walk and, you know, (laughs) have to really strive for our existence. When, you know, back in the olden days and the caveman days and beyond that, we, we were designed to move. We weren't designed to be on, you know, some people need to be on bed rest, of course, but we weren't designed to, you know, really just put our feet up during pregnancy. That's not really what humans were designed to do. And so you need to have that movement throughout pregnancy for a healthy one as long as your body can handle it, which most people's bodies can. And I agree with you. I know that my pregnancy as well, I know that it was very helpful for me that I had an extremely active job that uh, had me walking through this huge, it was a really big nursing home. Actually, I was in a nursing home at that time, um, uh, walking and, and working with patients all day long. And I was hiking. Uh, In addition to my job, I was hiking, you know, right up before the day I gave birth. And my gosh, I had a a very quick labor and no tearing and and a quick recovery as well. And I really owe it. I owe so much of it to the walking. So walking is great. Yes. Yes, for sure. And
0: that brings me to another point, which is it's easy well, easier, I think, to start incorporating these things yourself. But then the real challenge sometimes is how do you get your family to do them with you, whether it comes to the exercise side or the food side? And I know you talk about both of those. And Mm -hmm. I know that's a hot button for a lot of people listening is how do you actually get your family to do it?
1: Yeah. So I say my main my main thing that I like to tell people in general when it comes to any healthy lifestyle change is really to, you know, you have to put on your oxygen mask first, you have to take care of yourself first, and you have to ultimately be the be the light for your family, be the one who, if you're the one who wants to make the change, and if they're not necessarily the ones who want to make the change, then you get on board first and you show them, um, you know, you just start living your life that way. And they'll get on board. Um, it, you know, it might take more than that. And I know that might sound a little idealistic and pie in the sky, but it really is such a key. And I've, I've just seen that so much in my own life with my son. Like he's actually, um, he's actually not a very (laughs) active kid. He, He, I mean, he is active, but he, he's one of the types of kids that would love to just sit and play Legos and watch TV and play video games all day long. And luckily we don't actually have a TV so thank goodness that's not an option but he would probably love that. Um, He's not particularly sporty and um, we really have to kind of work to get him moving but at the same time I would say that since he sees me doing my exercises and you know going on my walks and all that he started really getting into it himself and will now just go into our fitness room by himself and say he wants to exercise he wants to go on the trampoline or or that kind of thing and he'll choose sometimes to walk to his friend's house with me if I say well do you want to drive or do you want to walk today hoping he'll say walk and he's starting to get to the point where he will choose walking and even his friends will often choose to walk home rather than be driven home. What, because And I really think it's because we've just kind of shown, you know, we're kind of being the light in our, in our little, tiny little community here where I live. And it's a really neat feeling. I think that you just have to be the example and slowly but surely people will get on board. Um, other than that, just making things fun and, you know, incorporating, like, you know, we always, when we walk, we often there's a park nearby our house. So we'll often just, you know, walk to the park. So that gives kind of incentive for my son um, to play at the park when we're there. And then we'll walk home. Um, Sometimes we'll bring a ball and play a little bit of catch wherever we stop. Um, You know, there's different, there's different things you can do like that. You just have to make it a family activity. And really the main thing is mom and dad have to be on board with it because you can't just expect the kids to do it if mom and dad aren't doing it as well.
0: I completely agree. And even kids, who you say, like your son, who aren't just naturally in love with with sports mm-hmm. and stuff, but they love spending time with their parents. Exactly. And if you mm-hmm. make that a special time, like sometimes I'll just take the girls when I go for a walk or just the boys and just let it have like special time to talk with them. And they love that and they're getting exercise too, but they don't really even notice because mm-hmm. we're just hanging out and talking.
1: I've also found that with my son that he prefers going on a walk when it's um, just just me or just my husband with him, even though we like to do it as a family, but I think he really enjoys that special one-on-one time. So it might be, I, I like that idea, like you said, of maybe just, just the girls or just the boys or however a family would want to break it up. But um, that it's another way to think of it as making it like a date almost.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's one thing, not to keep like delving into this subject too much, but... With our, with our kids, we've wanted not to make every celebration about food, and I've talked about this a lot on the blog, but how our culture, every time there's a birthday or a good grade or a home run or whatever it is, we celebrate with food and sweets mm-hmm. and junk food. So we've tried to always make it more about experiences and family time together together. And um, whether it be walks or just even for their birthday, we'll go hiking or we'll go to the zoo or we'll go somewhere and do something and not just eat. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one important distinction moms can start making is like your kids really just want you. They want your time and they want your attention. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to give. It's easy just to like give them a snack and let them watch a movie. But my hope is that that's going to pay dividends later because both for their health, obviously from the movement side, but also from the relationship side. So it's kind
1: of a win-win. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I have, I have a friend who did um, for Easter, she did the like plastic Easter eggs. And instead of candy and all that, that the kids were collecting and in their, in their Easter basket, um, she put little like tasks that they had to do or little things like 10 jumping jacks or whatever it was, little different activities they had to do in the Easter eggs. And then if they did all of them, I can't remember exact, exactly how she did it, but somehow if they did all the tasks or whatever it was, they could pick a prize from a, a prize box. And the prizes were all like, um, you know, going to the movies or it, they weren't food related. So I really, the, the point is, I can't remember exactly how she did it, but I thought it was really neat because she really focused on active things and then she really took the focus off of the, of the chocolate bunnies and the jelly beans <laughs> and brought it to more family activities and, and one-on-one time and then also um, active activities too. I thought that was really cool.
0: That's a great idea. I love that. We we might start doing that too. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hate to that we're almost toward the end already, but I want to respect your time and everyone listening's time. So I have three questions I usually ask at the end. And the first one is what advice do you wish someone had given you earlier in life that you wish that you want to share with everyone else now?
1: So, yes, I think um, this is a great question. And I think that probably the best advice I could give. And again, I think that your community really already does this. But it's just to think outside of the box when it comes to mainstream advice. Um, Because, you know, I... I'd say that the mainstream advice is that you need to go again like we've been talking about like you need to go to the gym and you need to do your exercises and then you're good for the day. But that's not, you know, there's so many other ways that you can fit exercise or movement into your life that's not necessarily that, you know, a, a jazzercise class or step aerobics, you know, or CrossFit or whatever. You know, you can find whatever your body loves. Whether it's African drumming or, you know, just uh, dance parties in your living room, it doesn't have to fit inside a box of what, quote unquote, exercise should look like. And then the other key for that is, is, I mean, there are so many keys, but another big key is food. I mean... I, um, you know, lived my whole life e- being told as I had stomach problems and horrible constipation and horrible emotional issues and all sorts of things. And I was always told to eat more healthy whole grains and, um, you know, eat more fiber and, and you know, the, the conventional wisdom really when it came to diet. And it took me so long to stop just looking at that conventional wisdom and just that narrow um, focus of what we, you know, have been told for so long. And it took me a long time. But once I finally did start looking outside that box and realizing that, you know, I really am the master of my own health. um, That was when true healing happened and I finally got healthy. So, you know, you just need to listen to your intuition and know your own body and not necessarily take everything from the TV doctors or your personal doc. I mean, you need to listen to medical advice, but also listen to yourself too. So think outside the box in that way is is a a big key.
0: Yeah, that's so great. And secondly, what is one actionable step that people who are listening maybe that have pelvic health problems or um, just want to be proactive? What is one step they can take right now?
1: Oh, gosh. Okay. So if they have pelvic health problems, if they're having like bladder control issues or something like that, then I actually would say that you probably should go see a women's health physical therapist because there are plenty of them out there now. It's a growing field and it's great to actually get an examination and go to someone who know, who's who been trained in, in this subject area. You might want to quiz your women's health physical therapist and say, now you're not necessarily going to prescribe me kegels, right? Even at, you know, obviously <laughs> she... Should she will know what she's doing, but you know, you might want to show that you do have the knowledge that it's not just about Kegels, there's more to it. Um, you know, you may want Kegels, you may not want Kegels, you're definitely going to need other core strengthening exercises, you might need some relaxation training, um, all sorts of core strengthening exercises. But anyway, see a women's health PT, um, if it's an actionable step for someone who just wants to get some more movement into their life. I would say do my miracle morning, which is so simple and so easy and so fun. And it's just when you get up, the first thing you do after you take a big old glass of water and maybe do some tongue scraping, which I do, but you know, one of the first things you do is you get up and you just do something that gets your body moving because I really think that sets the tone for the rest of the day. So I love doing like windmills where you, you know, reach down and touch your toe with the opposite hand and then stand up and reach down and touch the other toe with your opposite hand and stand up. And then, you know, I kind of twist out my spine and I just have like three or four, sometimes more, but just a few moves that I do. And it's quick and it just feels good and gets my blood flowing and my muscles kind of buzzing. And that's a really quick and easy thing you can do if you just want to kind of start your day off on a good note movement wise.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. And then lastly, what is the best resource besides your own blog, which we'll definitely link to in the show notes, but that you found in, um, for health in this area or just in general, and maybe it's a book or an article or a movie, but what would you, um, where would you send someone that's a great resource?
1: Yeah, I would send people to, um, podcasts <laughs> and, and this is not a specific answer. It's a very, it's, I'm sorry, it's general, but I, I love I love my podcast and there's so many great podcasts out now. And just go to iTunes and search for things that are interesting to you, whether it's fitness or um wellness in general or business or nutrition. And there are some amazing ones. I love your podcast. I also love Dr. Low Radio. I love um Uh, in the land of business. I love the Biz Chicks podcast and Business Women Rock. Um, I know that Balanced Bites is a great podcast for nutrition. There's just some really amazing resources out there and um, amazing minds out there. And we can all learn so much from them. And it's just really kind of a fun... I like to listen to podcasts when I'm making dinner or doing the laundry. Um, So yeah, there's... I think just listening and expanding your knowledge in that way, maybe more than just one, maybe find three or four that you like and can kind of go between.
0: Yeah. I love podcasts too. I usually have I them do. on when I'm walking. If I'm not with the kids or yeah, 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 they're great.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about your, your movement programs and your philosophy and all your great information, where can they find you?
1: Um, femfusionfitness.com. And that's just F E M. Um, F-U-S-I-O-N fitness.com. And I have a blog that I've been posting things on for (laughs) years now, like I think five years. Um, So I have a a blog. And then I have... um, I have some group fitness classes, but they're mainly in Germany right now, so that probably isn't helpful for much of the world, (laughs) but um, I do have some group live group fitness classes that are a lot of fun, and then I have some online courses, videos, um, and I have something called the Eternal Radiance Collection, which has all of my videos. Um, and e-courses that are related to fitness and nutrition to really give people the idea that it's a lifestyle it's not just buying one video and thinking that's it it's really um, a really all-encompassing lifestyle when it comes to stress management and fitness and nutrition Um, and there's more of course that those are the main things i cover and then I also have some uh, group healthing, health coaching program that's brand new for me. It's called LIFT and it's actually launching um, this week, <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Um, it's called LIFT and there's more information on my website about that. So I, I'm really, really enjoying the work online, but I also really enjoy interacting with people, and so that's why I was excited to bring in the, the coaching aspect to my, my programs.
0: Perfect. Well, it sounds like you have a busy week. So thanks for organizing. us in. We'll link to all of that for sure in the show notes so people can find it directly. Um, and thank you so much for your time and and being here. And I love that we could coordinate it with you in Germany and me in the U S and yes, that I could have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Katie. It was fun. Thanks. Have a great day. And thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wellness mama podcast where I provide simple answers for healthier families. If you would like to get my seven simple steps for healthier families guide for free, head on over to wellnessmama.com and enter your email and I'll send it over to you right away. You can also stay in touch on social media, facebook.com forward slash endless wellness or on Twitter and Instagram at wellnessmama. And I would also really appreciate it if you would take a second and subscribe to this podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you've ever benefited from something I talked about on this podcast, I would be really appreciative if you would leave a rating or review since that's how others are able to find this podcast and so we can help spread the message. Thanks as always for listening and for reading and for being on board with creating a future for our children that's healthier and happier. And until next time, have a healthy week.